Good morning. We're going to continue in our Habits of Grace series. We started off with prayer, and then Pastor Jim, not Pastor Jim, Pastor Stephen led us in a message about God's Word. And then today we're going to be talking about giving. It's another habit of grace that we have um, a discipline that we are to practice as we're growing in our godliness, as we learn more about God and what He has given to us, we learn to give back to Him. And money is always an interesting topic. Uh, I don't know about you, but it's been fun watching the stock market here recently. I had a friend not too long ago uh, talk to me into buying some crypto. Go ahead, laugh. Because we've seen what happened to that over the last uh, week or so. But how we respond to those types of moments can reveal a lot to us about ourselves. And more importantly, it can reveal a lot to us about what we think of our God. So today we're focusing on this habit of grace, that of giving. Our text today is from Hebrews. So if you turn to Hebrews chapter 13, we're going to end up there. But we need to understand the context of this book as we head toward today's text. Hebrews is all about Jesus being better, Jesus being greater. He's greater than the angels. He's greater than any religion and what religion can bring us. He's greater than any man. He's greater than Moses uh, and the religion that Moses founded. We then learn in chapter 12 that he is the priest king. Uh, He is not only a high priest, but he is also the king. He is the king of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And really, when it comes down to us and our giving, and for that matter, any other habit of grace, any other spiritual discipline that we practice in our life, it really comes down to how are we responding to that truth that Jesus is the king. Jesus is our king. That means he is our ruler. Now, as Americans, it's hard for us to understand what it is to have a king. And even in the monarchy in uh, Britain, you know, we don't really have the understanding of what does it mean that this is the king. When you understand the king and the context of growing up in Israel with David, with Solomon, with Saul, you begin to understand that being your king is really being your owner. It is all about the king. You give what you have to the king because what you have is the king's. And we need to understand that when we talk about Jesus being our king, he is the king. He is not something we tack on to our Christian life. He is our Christian life. It's easy for us to look and say, well, this is my time. This is my experiences. 
This is my money. And really, it isn't. If there's one thing we learn from Hebrews, it is this truth. It is not about you. It is about he who is greater. It is about the king of the kingdom that cannot be shaken. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. God is a consuming fire. He will destroy. And it tells us actually in chapter 12 of Hebrews that there are certain things that are just going to go away because they are going to be burned away by the great king. And there are only going to be those things that he has created that will remain. All that we have All that we are in this world is fleeting. This is not the kingdom. This is a passing world. But we have a king of a kingdom who has invited us to be a part of a kingdom that will not be shaken. That will never end. Where is your focus this morning? Is it in this earthly kingdom and the things that will burn, that will pass away? Or is your focus on the king, on the kingdom that is coming and that will come and will replace all that we know? We are told there in the final verses of chapter 12 that we are to worship This king. That is the result. When we realize that he is the king, the response to that is we should worship him. How do we offer worship to him who is the greatest sacrifice? How do we offer something to someone who has all that we have? How can we do that? Well, it's in one word and it's called surrender. If someone has ownership of everything that you have, what is the only response that you can have to that person when it comes to the things that you have? You must surrender it to him because it is not yours. It is his. And so as we come to this concept of giving, we need to understand that it is one way of us offering. It is one way for us to live for the kingdom that cannot be shaken. It's only one of many things. We are called here in chapter 13 to love one another, to have brotherly love that would lead us to hospitality, to compassion, fidelity, and trust. Respect, humility, grace, sacrifice, sharing, obedience, joy, living with honor. All of these things are ways that we offer up lives to the king. And that's not an exhaustive list. 
It's just the beginning of a life that is learning from the knowledge of the word about who God is and then changing and becoming like him. And it's in this context that we come to the verses of our focus today. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. Keep your life free from love of money. And be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Is giving a habit of grace in your life? Is it a spiritual discipline that you practice? How we answer that question not only exposes what we think about money and the things that we have, but it also reveals what we truly think of our King. When we learn to live for the glory of God, we find the freedom to give for the glory of God and the good of our fellowship. We are set free to give because of the unlimited abundance of the person of our king. Now notice, I didn't say we are free to give because of the unlimited abundance of the cattle on a thousand hills. I didn't say that we are able to give out of the abundance of the storehouse of God's ownership, his creation. No, we are free to give because of the unlimited abundance of the person of the king, Jesus. And so really, when I ask you about giving, is giving a habit of grace in your life? I'm really asking you this question. Is Jesus your abundance? It's not how much you give. It's not how little you give. The question is, is your king the source of your abundance? There are two ways that we typically face money and things around us. And one of those, and the first point that we have this morning, is that of scarcity. Scarcity is the thief of joyful giving. We are to live lives unfettered by the constraints of the needs of this foreign land. If Jesus is our king, if Jesus owns everything, and it is our part simply to surrender to him, the only thing that's keeping us from joy is when we don't surrender. When we are holding on to it and having and living in a life of scarcity is living in a life where you see that you need something more to meet your need. And we typically do that in two ways. We do that by looking to provide fulfillment for today. If you're someone who's looking for fulfillment in the things around you today, you're probably going to be going and spending. When you start feeling a little bit depressed, 
you're going to go out and you're going to buy something. Or you're going to go open the fridge and try to find something out of that fridge that is going to bring you some fulfillment. You are spending your time, you are spending your money, you are spending your resources to find fulfillment. When you are a person who is a spender, you are not saying about your God and hearing the words that he spoke to us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. There's something else that we need. We need something more than he who says, I am all that you need. So spending exorbitantly, looking for fulfillment, it's not about your money, that you're not a wise user of the stewardship of God's gifts to you. That isn't the point. The point is, you are looking for abundance in something other than your king. You are not surrendering what you have. Now, there's another way. Those of you who are sitting there saying, ah, see, I am not a spender. I don't have that problem. Well, there's another person who lives a life of scarcity, and that is the saver. And the saver is that person who is looking to provide protection for tomorrow. You are the saver. And when you are trying to amass that money in order to protect your future, to make you feel good about what might happen tomorrow, when you are looking for ways to counter all of the risks that you face in life, and that becomes your obsession... And you want the abundance of having stuff in your bank account or your crypto. (laughs) Then you are a saver and you are forgetting those words that we should be saying. I will not fear what can man do to me. We are not seeing that the king is the ruler of our lives. He is not the ruler of everything. We look for our abundance in amassing protection, security. We are living a life of scarcity. You can have a bank full of money and still live a life of scarcity. You can have much and still have so little. You do not have to live a life constrained By seeking for things to bring you fulfillment. You don't have to live a life constrained by always trying to head off all the potential risks of the future. We do not need to live in fear of scarcity. Don't get caught up in what you can have or what you don't have. You see, making ourselves comfortable with the things around us dulls us for the hunger of what we need within us. Seeking the things of this world take us away from the joy of the abundance 
of Christ. 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pangs. Now, go back to Babylon with me. There are four young men who show up, and they are brought into, their, maybe their parents have even been killed. They've been brought into this foreign land, and they are brought into this place where someone has been put in charge of them to help them become the best that they can be. Because at some point in the future, they're going to be brought before the king of that land, and he is going to decide whether or not they are going to become part of his kingdom. Now, if you were in that case, what would you be thinking? I don't know about you, but I would probably be looking around, you know, like a survivor or something. How can I get ahead here? How can I make the most of this opportunity? How can I get rid of the risks that are there? And someone comes to me and they says, okay, here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to train you in all of these ways. And for three years, we're going to give you an education and we want you to follow this diet regimen. And then at the end of this, we're going to present you to this king. But you know who I'm talking about. And here's Daniel. He comes in and he hears all of this. And he could say, well, here's what has been given to me. Here is what I need in order to move forward in this kingdom. But he says, no, I don't want that. I want to honor my God. Give me vegetables. Now, moms, I'm sorry to tell you this. The point of that passage is not that eating vegetables is better than eating meat. And you vegetarians out there, that isn't the point. The point of that passage is to give us insight into the character of this young man named Daniel. That he was willing to take the other path. To do something that wasn't easily laid out before him. The resources that were right in front of him, he ignored them. He ignored the advice of this eunuch who was supposed to present him to the king. And he says, I need to honor my king. I need to honor God. So give me vegetables and water. And we see what happened from that is that God honored it. When we face a situation like Daniel... How often are we to say, well, here's what the world has presented to me. Here is the answer that the world has given. And I, hey, it's, it's just reasonable, right? I should follow this path. But I challenge you, when it comes to following the king, follow his path. And that leads to abundance, which is our second point of this morning. Abundance. The heart of cheerful giving. That 
is where joy comes from. We are to live lives set free by the unlimited abundance of the person of the king. Be content with what you have. And as we read that verse, so often our focus goes to be content with the little stuff that you have. So if you have um, a 1997 Toyota, be thankful, be content with that Toyota. Be, be grateful that God has given you that and learn to be content with that. But I take you again to the, the rest of that verse that we need to take into context. Verse 5 is not separated from verse 6. Verse 6 shows us how we are to be content. The person who is content is that way. That person can enjoy God's abundance because he is caught up in who the king is. The person who lives a life of abundance understands that Jesus, Jesus will never leave him nor forsake him. Where is your contentment found? Your contentment is not found in willpower. Your contentment is not found in getting yourself to recognize that what I have is enough. I'm I'm just going to be thankful for what I have. Forget what you have. Completely forget what you have. Do you want an abundant life? Think of Jesus. It is in his person that all these things that are going to burn up, it is in his person that they all go away. They become immaterial. They are not what drives our comfort. They are not what drives our contentment. Our contentment is driven by the person of Jesus. And I'm afraid that most of the reason why we are not content is because we do not find our abundance in Jesus. And we fear what men can do to us. We fear what the circumstances around us can do to us. And so we pray, O abundant God, Give me what I need so that I can meet the challenges of the bill that's coming up next week. Give me what I need so I can plan ahead for my children's education. Now, am I saying not to pray that way? No, you should be praying that way. You should be asking God to help you in those ways that will help you be better than an infidel, (laughs) caring for the needs of your family. Those are things that we should focus on and we should be praying for, but do not find your contentment in them. Do not even find your contentment in the answer to that prayer. 
Find your contentment in the person who hears it. Because you know what? Sometimes God doesn't provide you, like Mueller, a check in the mail covering your child's first semester of college. Sometimes he doesn't do that. Where are you going to find your abundance then? Where are you going to find your contentment then? The person who lives with the reality that Jesus is the king, that Jesus is greater than everything, greater than your bank account, greater than your problems, it is the person who begins to understand that that is who Jesus is, that really begins to live a life of abundance. How can you live a life of abundance? Understand that Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. He will fill the pain of a loss. He will give you hope for tomorrow. How many missionaries, I'm reading through a book right now for my devotions of missionaries who have gone out. I was just a lady I was reading about yesterday. She um, went into India, no, Africa, and she was wanting to go into northern Africa where they called it the martyr's land. And she had a mom and a sister back home that she had been trying to care for. She was the sole provider for them. And they passed away. And her response to that was to say, well, now I'm more close to heaven than ever before. There's nothing to keep me here. And so she went into the north with confidence, with abundance, She gave up it all. Why? Because she said the kingdom is greater. Jesus is greater. He can fill the the hole of my missing family. He can help me overcome my concerns of my future and what I have. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And that isn't a health wealth gospel. (laughs) He did not die to put money in your bank. He died to bring you into his kingdom. He brought you into his kingdom that you could surrender all to him and in surrender find abundance. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus can supply every need the need of your heart, the need, your eternal need. Do you really believe that? 
If you believe that Jesus can meet your eternal need, the deepest need of your heart, then you are willing to see that when you must surrender something to him that isn't yours anyway, that in that surrender, he gives you riches. Riches that don't pass away. We don't invest our resources into the kingdom because it's a transaction that God is going to give us something back. We invest our resources into the kingdom because he has paid it all. He has already taken it. He has already given us all that we need. We are simply surrendering to our great king. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Jesus wants to give you all that you need. My question to you is this, what is it that you see as your greatest need? When your greatest need is, I need to pay for my kids' college, I need to save for retirement, I need this, you are living in a life of scarcity. You are a saver. When you say, well, I can't come to church because I need to work overtime so that I can earn some more money to meet this this need that I have coming up. Who have you put first? You are living a life of scarcity. The person who lives a life of abundance is the person who finds that their greatest need is in Jesus and that Jesus will always meet that greatest need. The lesson is not merely that if we keep our lives free from the love of money, we will be free to enjoy the things that we have. That isn't the lesson. It is the truth that having Jesus is greater than all these. And so we come to this point where you say, okay, Jonathan, I understand, but what has that really got to do with giving? Here it is. You cannot truly give until you have this attitude. You cannot, you can give millions of dollars to the work of God But until you understand that those millions of dollars are actually his and you are simply surrendering it to him, your giving is worthless. Because that giving is a transaction. That is not living a life of abundance. So we close this morning returning to the passage that Dwight read so well this morning. I love the way that Paul starts. He says, 
The point is this. This is the point. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, not out of scarcity. For God loves a cheerful and abundant giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things, whether in much or in little, you may abound in every good work, not in increasing wealth, but in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry, for our worship of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of the service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. The point is his inexpressible gifts. The abundance found in our King. And when we understand who our king is, when we understand that he owns it all anyway, (laughs) having Jesus is greater than any earthly contentment. We can find in him that he is the giver of all things to whom we give back. Please understand this morning that having Jesus is greater than anything and that this is the truth at the heart of biblical giving. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the great gift of Jesus Christ. And as I spoke your word this morning, I I know in my own heart that he is not so often the king that he should be. We are weak. It is hard for us to recognize that he is, not that he wants to be, but that he is our king. It is so hard for us to grab hold of our time, of our talents, of our money, and to hold on to it as though somehow it is ours. As though somehow 
it can bring us fulfillment and protection. But help us to see Jesus. Help us to see that he is the king that will never leave us. He will not forsake us in our moment of need. We don't need to find our own protection because he is our security. There's nothing that man can do to us. Help us today to be cheerful givers, willing and ready to give all back to you. Teach us to give by teaching us to surrender to the abundance of our great King, Jesus Christ.